And the rest of us, why don't we grab our Bibles today? I would like to share a message that uh, the Lord uh, really dropped on me um, to, to kind of kick off the first message of the new year. And I've, I've entitled this message, A Charge to the Church. A Charge to the Church. Now, we're, we're going to look in the book of Jude that is the second to last book of the Bible, if you don't know where that is. If you count concordance, it's the third to last, okay? So the book of Jude, and there's only one chapter in the book of Jude, okay? And we're going to take a look in verses 17 through 23. And I really, really want to really challenge you. How many of you were here last week or you heard last week's message? I know some of us weren't able to be here. Last week, good, five. Uh, last week, uh, we, we did our best to try to challenge you uh, individually. And we challenged you with the idea of, is there a small change that you can make in your life to make yourself spiritually stronger? Today, rather than challenging us uh, individually, and there will be a component of that, but I also want to challenge the church collectively. Collectively. I've been thinking about the year 2024, and even though it's, what's the date today, the 7th? Even though it's seven days old, I got a feeling that 2024 is going to be a little crazy in our country. Probably. And the reason I say that is because 2023 was crazy. But 2024, now we got a big old election coming up. Oh, it's going to be fun, isn't it? Whoo, boy. And, and, and this, this, could be, this could be an interesting year for our country. But I'll also say this, to, to kind of paraphrase Pastor Nicole, uh, this is also an opportunity that I believe the church has in 2024. Because I believe there's a culture that desperately needs Jesus Christ today. And the church still, I believe, is the greatest means by which God chooses to make the truth known in this country. And so it's important, I believe, to do what God expects us to do. Can you say amen to that? So we don't want to just gather and, and have casseroles and fellowships and then Casser I mean, look at me. Casseroles are great, obviously, okay? And fellowships are great. I'm getting a little bit of a ring, uh, Paul. I'm sorry. I'm probably talking a little bit loud. Uh, but, but those are great. But I really want to make sure that Bethel Church is on mission in 2024. That we don't forget what God really wants us to do. And how many of you know there's tons of ways to do church? So today is not about methodology. But today is about, God, what is your desire for your church in this year? And I've pulled this from the book, of all places, the book of Jude. So if you're able to, I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we read this together, in honor of the reading of God's word, and let's take a look at this together. Jude, chapter 1, again, only one chapter in the book of Jude. And we'll go to verse 17. 
Here's what it says. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. So Jesus, would you speak to us today? And challenge our hearts, not only individually, but corporately, Lord. God, that we may enter this new year making you our focus. And God, that we might be on mission and that we may be following your will. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Jesus. So I pray that you'd speak to us through the word as you always do and change us and nudge us a bit closer to you than we were before when we came in. It's in Jesus' name that I ask all this, and we all said amen. 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 You may be seated. You may be seated. So good to see all of you here today. So good to see a lot of our guests that are here today. It's a pleasure to have you here, and uh, let's, let's take a look at God's Word together. Now, again, like I said, last week... Uh, I uh, almost said last year, but it was last year. So there you go. Uh, Last week, we tried to challenge you individually. And uh, that was by no means a New Year's resolution type of sermon. Because chances are, a lot of you have already broken your New Year's resolutions, (laughs) even though it's January 7th, right? But uh, it's good for us to set goals. It's good for us to try to can evaluate things and, and change and see what we got to do. And, and uh, I also want to speak to the church now. I, I think that God has some real specific instructions for the church. And note that I have capital C there. I am by no means a spokesman for the church all over the world, but I can certainly do my best as your pastor to try to lead you in this local church to do what God wants us to do. And so we want to follow his instructions. And I, I want to, I'm going to be passionate about a few things here today just because I believe that we are in very, very desperate times. I really believe that. And so if we are the answer that God has put on this earth, then let's do things God's way. Amen? So let me... Uh, Let me share some instructions for each of us from the text that we just read. Number one, I believe that God wants us to be people of convictions. People of conviction. First of all, let's take a look again at verses 17, 18, and 19. Talking about being people of conviction. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, In the last times, there will be scoffers 
who will follow their own ungodly desires. Wow, that almost seems like he might be talking about things today. You think? Verse 19 says, these are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. Please hear what I'm about to say. Please. Regardless of whatever your background is, regardless of whatever you think you know or don't know, regardless of how long you've been serving Jesus or have not been serving Jesus, I will tell you that the way for us to live this life here on earth is to have what's called a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview. What do I mean by that? What that means is that we govern our lives, our moral compass is on based on the Bible. What does the Bible have to say about the direction that I'm taking? What does the Bible have to say about uh, my choices? What does the Bible have to say about my conduct? What does the Bible have to say about what I believe and what I don't believe? How I act and how I don't act. What does the Bible have to say about that? And let me tell you why that is important. Because we now live in a society and in a culture that is absolutely fine with you ignoring what this book has to say and instead adopting whatever seems right to you, whatever the culture dictates, whatever the media might promote, whatever is popular, that seems to be people's world view in this day and age. And here's the problem with that. The problem with that is that is constantly changing. It's fluid. What was acceptable 10 years ago may not be now. Let's reverse that. What might not have been acceptable just five years ago is now acceptable. And I'm not giving you a political speech here. But what I am telling you is that our country, our society, our community, we are falling in danger of trying to live this out without a biblical worldview. And do you know where it mostly scares me? Not in the government. <laughs> if you're relying on the government or a candidate to be your salvation, <laughs> not Hollywood. No. That place is dark. Not pro sports. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of used to seeing the darkness there, but, but you know where this really concerns me? It's in the church. It, it's, it's, it's with people who call themselves moral, but they don't have a biblical worldview. It's people who find themselves saying, I am on the right side. Oh, I'm a conservative. Oh, I go to church. Okay, but do you have a biblical world 
view. There could be some people, church, that may even vote on your side of the aisle, but they do not have a biblical worldview. And see, and the problem is, having morality without a biblical worldview, that creates chaos and confusion. And as I read the Bible, guess who the author of confusion is? It's not God. God never operates out of confusion. See, as you decide, students, as you decide how you're going to live your life and how you're going to start your family and raise your family and live the rest of your life, please understand that the basis for that has to be a constant that never changes. The Bible. Culture will change. Opinion will change. Everything changes except for God. Jesus said of himself, I am the word. The word is the same. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we dare not, we dare not have convictions that are not based on the word of God. And I call you, church, I call you when you're evaluating everything in your life from whom you vote for to how you conduct yourself on a Friday night, ask yourself, where does this fit in with what the Bible has to say about who I am and how I should live and how I should conduct myself? And I will tell you, I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to say it. Boy, I got, I got, I got angry last week. Our, our legislature in Ohio passed a bill protecting girls and protecting children from being mutilated, protecting girls and girls' sports so that boys aren't trying to just destroy girls and girls' sports. And, and, and that, that got vetoed. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking badly about a candidate. Don't send me that email. But here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. We have got to make these decisions and have these convictions based on a biblical world view. And just quite frankly, child abuse is not found in the Bible. Amen. Oh boy, I should have got a much better amen than that. Amen. To hear that it's, a, it's the parents, it is not the parents' decision to mutilate a child and to abuse a child. Please, that is not it at all. Let's see what the Bible has to say about things like gender and marriage and morality. What, what does the Bible have to say? And that will guide us. We need to be people of conviction. Boy, if I ticked you off, I'm, 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 I'm so not sorry. I'm just telling you. I'm not. I'm not. We got to call this stuff out. We're not calling candidates out. We're not calling people out, but we're calling issues out. And we need to govern ourselves and live ourselves according to what the word, word of God has to say. Amen. And that will not only impact how you vote, it'll impact how you talk, it'll impact how you live, it'll impact how you do everything. Yeah. It'll impact how you treat the server. Yeah. 
when you're at the restaurant today. So when you want to be a jerk because you didn't get your precious refill, maybe, maybe we could say, you know what? There's a world that needs Jesus. And my testimony is a whole lot more important than my refill of Diet Coke. Amen? Man, I could end here, but I got more. So we should be people of conviction. I believe that's God's desire for us. Let's not be these people that don't have the spirit and go by our emotions. We are led by what the word of God and the spirit of God has to say. Number two, we should be people of commitment. Not only should the church be full of people with conviction, we should be people of commitment. Jude here makes the contrast between people who are scoffers and are kind of led by their emotions and they don't have the spirit within them. And the Bible says in verses 20 and 21, but you, dear friends, and now he's talking to us again, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. There needs to be a commitment on our part. How, how many of you know that any relationship that's going to work is going to take effort? It's going to take commitment. My wife and I have been married 35 years. That has taken effort on our part. <laughs> For my wife, it's taken courage and a lot of grace. Uh, any relationship worth having, it takes work. And that includes your relationship with God. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen because you sit in a church. Just like sitting in a garage will not make you a car. <laughs> it takes work. We talk about committed. I think we need to be committed to a couple things and to... 2024, we should be committed to walking with the Lord. Amen. Build yourself up, the scripture says. Why, why do we have things like following Jesus and, and, and a discipleship journey? Why, why do we do this? Because we're trying to build ourselves up. There, there's more. After we, after we give our lives to Christ, there's more. There's more, and building ourselves up is part of that. We, we, what's the scripture say? We keep ourselves in God's love. We pray in the Holy Spirit. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, ladies and gentlemen, that is not just meant for a service time. That is meant for your life 24-7. Walk in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Be led by the Holy Spirit and keep yourselves in God's love. We see people through God's eyes. And the more people you meet, the more you got to look at people through God's eyes. Because that's how you can see people that you disagree with. That's how you can see people that disagree with you and they'll let you know it. But you can still see them through God's eyes. That, see... This pastor, if somebody wants to say something about me on the internet, I don't care. I don't care. Because I know who I am in God's eyes. 
I, so, it's, oh, you, you need to tell them what you think. Oh, no. Just let them be wrong. I know who I am in Christ. And I've learned, I've learned that a lot of people who hurt people are hurting people themselves. That pain that they inflict is usually a sign of the pain that they're dealing with. So I try to see them through Christ's eyes. That helps me a lot. That helps me be a lot more patient with people. That helps me not have to feel like i got to defend myself every time I wake up and turn around. Keep yourselves in God's love. We are committed to walking, and we're also committed to waiting. We're committed to waiting. Jude said, for the mercy of Jesus, wait for the mercy of Jesus to bring you to eternal life. How many of you know this is not all there is? Did you know that? Did you know that? This is, thank God, this is not all there is. Could you imagine if this was it? Right? But there's a time where we will see Jesus. If we know Christ, we're going to see him face to face. I don't want to miss that. that the scripture says that's our, our blessed hope. We, we have a, a hope that Jesus is coming again. And so that pain that you're feeling now, you're not going to feel that when you're with Jesus. And those taxes that you pay in April, now gone. How about that? All that pain that you deal with, all that hurt. In fact, Jesus will go so far as to wipe every tear from my eye. Amen. Scripture says there's coming a day. Do you all know that old hymn? What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. And when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. I grew up singing that song. What a day that'll be. But until then, I'm going to do the work of Jesus. Until then, I'm going to try to take as many people with me. Until then, I know that there's a hope that awaits me through Jesus Christ. Thirdly, I'm trying to hurry. Thirdly, we need to be people of compassion, people of conviction, people of commitment. Thirdly, people of compassion. Verses 22 and 23 says, be merciful to those who doubt. Stop there. What a great verse. What a great verse written to a bunch of Jesus followers. Be merciful to those who doubt. Those that doubt your faith or question your faith or will not align themselves with your faith, they are not the enemy. Those are people that Jesus died for. And they might reject you. Be merciful. They might make fun of you. Be merciful. They might mock you. Be merciful to those who doubt. Because I tell you, if you're consistent around them, there's going to come a time. <laughs> there's going to come a time. Hey, I'm going through some stuff, you know, maybe you could pray for me. And, and Yeah, absolutely. You know, the person that was making fun of you because you served Jesus, 
now they want you to put a good word in with the big guy. Why? Why? See, because your faith is authentic. Because you were merciful to them. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You tell Judas I said hi. Please don't do that. <laughs> what, is, what is that? There's somebody who doesn't know Christ. Man, you, you got to love them like Jesus does. I didn't say did, does. He still loves them. How many know Jesus loves the Muslim? He does. How many of you know that Jesus loves the meanest person you can think of? He loves them. The most sinful person, whatever your pet sin is. And that varies around here. But Jesus loves that person. He loves them. Verse 23. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Look at that again. Save others by snatching them from the fire. I want you to get that visual. The fire is referring to the fires of hell. Okay? And, that, and that, that is, that's the unfortunate thing about the gospel is that when we reject the gospel, if anybody rejects the gospel, they reject the cross, they reject Jesus, then... then Heaven will not be their home. And our purpose, if we call ourselves saved, sometimes we forget what we got saved from. I got saved from a godless hell. And, and some, some are right at the fire. You know who I'm talking about in your life. Some are pretty close to the fire. And, and, and Jude gives this this picture of us snatching them away Amen. before they get burned. Snatch others from the fire and save them. Who is in your life that is so close to the fire that maybe you've been tempted to give up on them? And I will tell you that God is calling the church to pray for those people, to live this thing out in front of those people and around those people. And when the opportunity comes, you snatch them from the fire. Well, pastor, I don't know how to share my faith. Here's how you do it. I used to be this. Jesus changed me. Now I'm that. I don't have it all figured out, but this is what he did. You know what that's called? A testimony. You don't have to have a fancy sermon. I'll take care of that. You just share. Everybody wants to be a preacher. Just share what Jesus has done for you. And that could be the difference that it makes in someone's life. Snatch others from the fire. Our, our church should never lose sight of its mission. We should never lose sight of its mission. Yeah, we, we, we love fellowships. We love golf leagues. We love bowling. We, <laughs> most of us love bowling. We... we, we you know, we love all that fun stuff, but, but let's not lose sight of our mission. Our mission is to snatch others from the fire and save them. There's somebody in your life that needs rescued. Church. Students, there's somebody on that campus that needs you. Those of you who you're kind of in the back nine of your life. God's placed somebody in your circle, in your life, who needs Jesus. Right. Snatch them from the fire. That's right. Save them. I'm going to close with this. 
we should not only be people of conviction and commitment and compassion, but I've chosen this word, we should be people of great concern. Concern for our spiritual lives. Jude 23. To others, show, uh, show mercy. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others, here we go. Show mercy mixed with fear. Mercy mixed with fear. Hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. I think the church needs to develop a serious hatred of sin and a serious love for sinners. And don't you dare get the two confused. I could separate the two. I could separate the two because the Bible does. And let, let me just say to anybody who might be watching online or in here, your identity is not your sin. Your identity is not your sin. Your identity is what Jesus thinks of you. That's your identity. That's your identity. Your identity is the fact that he died on a cruel cross for you out of his immense, incredible, amazing love for you. That's your identity. And when we see anyone caught up in sin, please hear me. We love those people. We love whoever that is. But we hate what sin does. I hate how sin destroys families. I've seen it too many times. I, I, I hate what sin does to lives. I've seen it too many times. And folks, I've seen people that were in ministry that have made the mistake of allowing some things that don't belong in their lives. And today, they're not even serving Jesus, let alone in ministry. We need a serious hatred of sin, but a serious, incredible love for sinners, for people. People matter to me. They need to matter to all of us. And as we go into 2024, Jonathan, could you play that song, God of Revival, again? As, as we go into 2024, I wonder if we could say, you know what, Lord? I'm going to answer your call. I want to be a person. See, because you're the church, by the way. This building is not the church. The individuals that are in here and watching us online, you, you are the church. So God's call to the church is it enough to move us to say, Lord, I want to be a person of conviction. That I will conduct myself, I will, everything I do will be through the filter of the word of God. I will have a biblical worldview. And you know what? Some of us, we got some, we got some rough edges we got to work through. You know what? God can handle your rough edges. <laughs> He can work on you. That's that fancy word, sanctification. 
You think you got it all together when you prayed that sinner's prayer, whenever that was? How many of you know some of you were still a hot mess when you said amen? Right? So Jesus wants to help us with that. And, and chip away that stuff that doesn't belong and, and smooth those edges so that we're more like him. And, and when it's all said and done and we breathe our last breath, we can say, I was as close to Jesus as possible. How is that accomplished? It's, it's through a biblical worldview of having Bible-based convictions. Are we committed to this, though? Because I promise you, living for Jesus is not easy. And whoever told you it was, whew, just back that up. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Crosses aren't fun. But you can do all that he's called you to do if you just say, Lord, I'm committed to this. I'll walk with you, and I'll wait for your returning. Maybe God needs to make you a person of compassion again. It's so easy just to kind of cast aside somebody who doesn't know Christ. Maybe God is saying, you know what? Look at them the way I do. And that person might be in your classroom. That person might be in your home. That person might be at the workplace. Would you look at them through the eyes of Christ? And finally today, I, can we just ask God to give us an intense love for other people and a hatred for sin? A hatred for sin. Let it, let it turn us off. Lord, that's our cry. Maybe you want to lift up your hands and pray with me as we, as we answer this call. God, this charge that you have to all of us. God, we receive that. God, we don't come off like we're perfect. God, we don't come off like we have it all together. God, we haven't figured it all out, no matter how long we've been serving you, but Lord, I pray that we would answer the charge that you've given us. Lord, move in us. Change us no matter how long we've known you, whether it be for one day or one lifetime. Change us. Change us. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you to stand. And I know we have a lot of schedules and things like that, but could I ask you before you leave now, if you will consider spending just a few moments alone with Jesus, you and him, I'm going to ask John, when I say amen, I'm going to ask my son to sing that song again, God of Revival. This is where revival starts. It doesn't start by bringing in a guest speaker. It doesn't start by singing the right songs. It starts when the church really gets serious about what God wants us to do. That's when God moves. And so I'm going to ask him to sing, and that'll kind of be a backdrop while we're all praying. And if, if there's some specific you need to pray to the Lord today about one of these commitments or convictions or compassion or the concern over our own lives, would you surrender that to God and just spend time with him before you leave here? 
And then when God's released you, you can consider yourself dismissed to fellowship with each other in the lobby. But right now, could we make the most important person to talk to Jesus Christ? So Lord, meet with us. Meet with us. God, I pray that we as your people would not only hear your voice, but we'd obey. So God, we answer. We answer this knowing that it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by your spirit, says the Lord of hosts, that we do this. So we trust in your Holy Spirit and we trust in your word and we trust in your leading, God. I ask you that you just do amazing things, not just for the sake of our local body, but Lord, for the sake of your kingdom, for to you be all the glory and all the honor. So Jesus, speak to your people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need to pray, you can come to this altar and pray. Or if you'd rather pray at your seat, you could do so. If God's released you, you can consider yourself dismissed. God bless you.